Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Hey, welcome everybody to today's episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. I'm your host, Adam Kipnis. Really excited about today's uh, podcast for those of you who are watching us on YouTube and other forms. Um, my guest has a much cooler background than I do. Uh, mine is my closet. His is like this professionally awesome place. Um, so I definitely encourage you to watch just to see how cool it is. Um, but before we get to the interview today, a uh, couple things. One, want to thank C-Suite Radio for hosting us and my sponsor podcast. I'm sorry, uh, powertexting.com. Powertexting.com is a great platform in order to communicate with your prospects and your clients through easy SMS texting. And they give away a free trip to every um, to one person on every episode that we have. So I'm really excited to tell you a little bit more about that in a second. And I appreciate everyone listening. And I really um, know you get some great value. And, and the, the notes that you leave after the show are always great. And if you love the, the podcast, if you love what we talk about, you're going to love the book that I have. Um, it's how to make more money in your business. And for those watching, you can see it here. It is eight steps to make more money in your business without spending money on advertising. So it's a great, uh, download that you can get for free. Go to freebookfromadam.com. And as always, you can follow me on Instagram at, at Adam Kipnis. So with that, I would like to take a moment to talk about our guest today. He is a real estate investor. He's had his own real estate investing show. Um, he flips houses but now he's more about raising private money and teaching others how to raise private money through the Real Estate Money School. Chris Nuggle, thanks for taking some time to educate us today on your journey and what you're doing. Absolutely, it's my pleasure, Adam. It's great, so Chris and I, we met a couple years ago at an event, I'll give a shout out to Greg Reed and his Secret Knock event, where um, I like to go every year, Chris has been several times. Uh, it's in San Diego, just a great place to meet action takers, movers and shakers, people doing really cool stuff, Greg brings in um, a variety of really fun people. I like to sneak my way in because I think it's one of those rooms where you're the least successful in the room, which makes it really cool um, and really fun to go. And so Chris and I reconnected and we talked about this podcast. And as we jump in, Chris, you've done a lot in your real estate investing career, but what led you to real estate? And more importantly, what led you to wanting to do your own thing and start your own business in real estate? Well, the, the thing that led me to real estate was just watching and seeing all the successful people that were around me. And one commonality that they had was they were in real estate. I have this bad habit of following successful people and trying to learn from their journeys, learn from their mistakes and how they've got there. And the thing I always found, no matter how many masterminds or events I went to, and I was younger then, but no matter how many times I did this, they were all involved in one way or the other in real estate. So I'm just like, I got to flip a house. I got to, I got to get into this. So that's kind of how I got into the real estate, but that's not really how I got into being an entrepreneur. That's, that's a whole different story. Do you want me to kind of tell the audience a little bit about that? Yeah, let's dig into that a little bit. I mean, were you the guy that was selling gum to the nurses while you're in the crib in the hospital? Or did this, did this come to you a little bit later? Very, very close. It actually started when I was uh, 16 years old. When I was 16, I had an awful job working at a terrible restaurant. And uh, every day I came home, I felt defeated. The owners of the restaurant and the manager made me feel like I could do nothing right. 
absolutely movable. Doing back then is I quit. And I said, I quit trading hours for dollars. I came home, I told mom, and at this time, just to kind of go back a little bit, I grew up in a really low income middle class family. My, my wife says I grew up poor, but I hate saying that because poor is a whole different level. But uh, I didn't have anything growing up. My mom struggled, you know, raising me by herself. Dad, uh, my dad's a great man, and he, but he was an alcoholic growing up. He's finally beat that habit and, or that addiction, I should say. But that's how I grew up. Never had anything, but mom always instilled in me, dream big, go after whatever you want. And that's what I did. So at 16, I came home. I said, mom, I'm doing this snowboarding thing. I want to be a pro snowboarder, but I want to open a clothing line. I don't want to work for anybody. She said, okay. So the basement got converted into my office. I went to my local community bank, took out a $500 loan, and off we were. And that's kind of the, the humble beginnings of where my entrepreneurship began. Uh, a year later, I was traveling around snowboarding on my way to being a pro snowboarder, and I found a bunch of places that would sell my clothing. So I had my clothing across the United States just because I was traveling to contests. So at 17, I had seen all these awesome stores, and I'm like, you know what? I have to have my own store. So that began the journey of money. And that's where I realized that this isn't an easy journey. I had no money. I had no resources. I didn't come from money. So I needed 70 grand to open what I was going to call Fat Man, my store in the East or the Lockport Mall. So I went around, I asked everybody I knew for money and or whether they could co you know, collateralize the loan, which at that time I didn't even know what that meant. And I heard no, no way, absolutely not. And hell no. But everybody in their life is going to have one person it believes in them. We all have that person, whether we acknowledge them or not. But I'm, I'm actually writing a book called The Unconditional One. And it's about my mom. She believed in me. She actually instilled in me that she wanted me to go after my dreams. And she had one thing in the world, literally one asset. And that was her house. She, she at that time said, you know what? I never lived my dreams and I want you to be able to live yours. So she put her house up for collateral and that enabled me to go out and open this store and it wasn't easy. Can you imagine being 17, your kid coming to you and saying, mom, mom, dad, dad, I need $70,000. What's the, the conventional wisdom and the conventional thinking is go get a job, kid, right? And that's, that's what 95% that's what of us do. And that's because that's what we've been trained to do. That's conventional wisdom, conventional teaching, and conventional knowledge. But that wasn't my path. So that store went on. I, I eventually I ran it. I got it up to four locations. I sold it off in 2010. But I'm going to fast forward a little bit through. I became a pro snowboarder. A lot of things happened. But in 2004, I was infatuated with finance. I don't know why. Maybe I watched too many versions of Wall Street, but I, I dove in and totally immersed myself into becoming a financial advisor. It's all I could think about. I was running my stores. I was snowboarding professionally. And all I could ever think about was how can I be an advisor? How can I be that guy on TV? So I read books. I studied. I, I did everything I could and I became an advisor. And very quickly, I kind of took my focus off the stores, which was the best thing I could have ever done because I started working on the business, not in it. I'm an A-type personality, just so everybody knows. So I, I was always the guy in my business thinking I can do everything better than everybody else. But at this moment, my focus changed and my, my, my plans changed. So I was over here doing the advisory and my store, I was like, eh, it's okay, guys, run the store. And my stores rocketed up. They, they took off. But I also took off in my financial business. I became a top performing advisor. I became, you know, one of the top three advisors in our, uh, what they call general agency. And I was speaking on national stages and I loved it. And I continued to do that all the way till last year when I sold it. But that, that kind of came to a, a pretty difficult time in uh, 2008. You see, I was making a ton of money as an advisor. I was, I had my stores, they were making a lot of money. I was a pro snowboarder. I mean, life was good. And then all of a sudden I had this brilliant idea that I'm going to buy this dilapidated paint store, two buildings down, and I'm going to convert it 
into a strip mall where my store is going to go and I'm going to rent the other two off and like is, life is going to be grand. I borrowed 340 grand from somebody I shouldn't have borrowed money from. And you guys all know what happened. 2008, the great recession slapped me in the face. Actually, it was like getting hit by a Mack truck, not a slap in the face. And my retail stores plummeted 30%. Financial advisory business screeched to a halt. All that money I was making, nope. Not anymore, working harder than I've ever worked, making nothing, and I almost lost it all. And I'm gonna get to the point here with the real estate in one second, but this is, this is the pinnacle moment. This is that moment where you're so defeated in life, you really just wanna throw the towel in, but you know that if you quit, you fail. Because you know failure is necessary to be successful, and every failure is one step closer to success. But the only way to truly fail is to quit. And I almost quit at this moment. I was so down. I came home one night. I just moved my beautiful girlfriend into my house. You know, I had this, I had this beautiful house and I said, you know, sweetie, I, I, I need your help. I, uh, I, I don't know how to ask for this, but I need you to help me pay the mortgage and I need you to help me pay the utilities too. And uh, by the way, I, we got to rent that room down the hall there to somebody because I can't, I can't make ends meet. I'm going to lose it all. If you know, and I don't know what to say now. Many of you listeners might be thinking, you know, if, if you're female, I would have ran for the hills. And you know what? Maybe she should have. I don't know. But she obviously liked me a little bit because she married me. And now we've been together ever since. And real estate came about in 06, flipped the house. And then just from 09 to 2014, I just started buying apartment buildings. And I did really well, got up to a couple million dollars in real estate, 36 units. And the, the problem was is you know, when you keep repeating the same thing with the same conventional knowledge we're taught, eventually you learn that conventional knowledge isn't what the wealthy use. Conventional knowledge isn't what's going to get you where you want to be. And in 14, there we go again. Things were back on track, had 36 units, financial advisory back into the six digits. Life was good and I was broke living paycheck to paycheck. In 14, same thing happened again. I had to sell off everything. We even had to sell our dream house, me and Larissa, and we, we hunkered down and then I got the magic postcard. That magic postcard was a postcard for one of those dumb, stupid seminars. We've all got them. Come learn how to do this, learn how to do that. And you know what? I already was doing real estate and this was a real estate seminar, but I said, in that postcard said, come to this free seminar and we'll give you a free iPod shuffle. I was so broke. I, I couldn't afford an iPod shuffle. So I'm like, you know what? I'm so humbled. I don't even care. I got nothing to lose, but I got an iPod to gain. Or an, iP yeah, an iPod shuffled again. So I went to that thing, day one, nothing. Day two, everything changed. I learned the most important thing in my life, and I, I tell this all the time. I learned that what I was doing, how I was handling money, how I was using money, and how I thought and was taught to think about money was a complete lie. I learned how the wealthy were using money. I learned how the successful real estate investors were using money. And the one thing I saw is that's not what I'm doing. And at that point, I mean, I immersed myself back into learning. I spent a ton of money like all of us have to do. We have to do two things to be successful. We have to invest time, which we all do, right? We go to seminars, we go to things, we, we do anything we can for free. We read, watch podcasts. But the second thing you got to eventually do is you got to spend money because successful people, the really wealthy, the successful ones, they invest time and money. And that's what I started doing. Money I didn't have. And that kind of led me to where I'm at today. So that's, that's my backstory. Wow. Uh, I really appreciate all of that. I mean, it's... It, and we know each other, but you always learn so much by, by doing interviews like this with people that you already know, because you learn so much more about what got them to where they are. Cause you know, now you see Chris, he speaks on stages and he's been on TV and 
He is, people gravitate to him, but without knowing the backstory, you don't know how you got there. And there's so much to unpack in your story, but I want to bring it back a little bit to when you were 17 and you decided you wanted to, to have a store to sell your clothing as well as um, to, to be a professional snowboarder, right? Some people would choose one of those and dive into it with everything they have, but you chose both. But you said before your mom, who was always your champion, but before your mom stepped up financially and, and backed you. You said you got no after no and a couple of really big hell no's in there. While you, were, while you were trying to raise money and creating the idea for the store and snowboarding, why did you not say, to hell with this store, let me go be a snowboarder, let me get sponsors, let me get rich that way. Why did you keep pushing to, to make that dream come true? Well, actually, it's a very simple answer to that. You know, remember when I said I, said, I told that, uh, that boss I quit? Well, I was serious. I didn't want to work for anyone anymore. I had had enough. That job almost ruined me. So when I started and I, and I started this or wanted to start the store, yeah, I was snowboarding. That was my big dream. That was like what I wanted. But remember the stores, those were skateboard, snowboard stores. They were lifestyle business. So by having the store helped me catapult my, my snowboarding career. The store was snowboarding and skateboarding. So being in the store, I was immersed in it. I was in it every day. I was living the dream. And then the snowboarding only, and, and as my, my popularity rose in snowboarding, as I started getting more and more sponsors, you know, competing in X Games, doing videos and being on national, you know, videos that way, I all of a sudden noticed that that was also driving my store. So the two of them were just playing off because it was a lifestyle business. It was a brand. And that's what I did. I was the snowboarder. The store was the brand. And I just branded it together. And I created, you know, Fat Man. And it's still around today. It's, God, it's been in business 20-some years. I sold it in 2010. But that's why I did it. So I could have just went off and done a, the snowboarding thing. And a lot of my friends back then, and I, I know exactly where they're at today, a lot of them went off and created their own businesses after their snowboard career. But very few of them started their businesses in line with their snowboard or their snowboarding career. They were snowboarders first, business owners second. I just did it the reverse order or at the exact same time. Wow. And, and, and so a lot of you listening probably, you might not have a snowboarding career and a, and a store, but you have your business and you have your family or you have one business and you're trying to get a second line. So it is possible. And it, is it the focus? Is it the resolve? What, what one or two things can you sort of point to that got you through at least that period of having both? You branded them the same, but it was still a lot of work on both sides. How did you make time for both so they could both be successful? Well, I was lucky. So because it was a lifestyle business and all the guys, you know, were my friends that I hired, they were all snowboarders or skateboarders. So literally the people I was surrounding myself with were like-minded people. Very important. Because if you surround yourself around people that are doing what you want to do or people that think like you, magic happens. Like your network equals your net worth. So the people that I was working with every day, when I was on the road snowboarding, which was all winter long, literally I was on a plane, gosh, it seemed like every other, every week, I think I was somewhere else. I'm doing that. I had my guys back in the store who were my friends who I, I traveled with, who even became my, I don't want to, whatever you want to call it, entourage, if you will, who were traveling with me. So we would bring what happened on the road and what we saw at events and what we saw with trends and what we saw at other stores we went to, because that was a big thing. We'd travel for contests. We'd always go to the local stores. What are they doing? What's their merchandising look like? What are they branding? What does their team look like? Are we competing against their riders? And we just brought those ideas back and we literally just built it. And we mimicked what the successful people doing. What, and we, here's the funny thing, Adam. We had no idea what we were doing. 
remember, I was like at this time between, I was 17 to my early 20s. I had no clue. I was just having fun. I was out there just, I had my business and I had struggles. Don't you think for one second we didn't have big struggles? We did, but we had fun doing everything and we built something. And I didn't know I was doing it then, but I know now what we did. We literally built a brand around having fun. And that brand still today lives. It is the number one skateboard snowboard shop in our area. It's thriving. And it's still built on the same principles of the brand. And the brand is have fun, lifestyle, and do, you know, do what you love. And that's what I did. That's awesome. Congratulations on that success. And we're talking with Chris Noggle from the Real Estate Money School here on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Now, I mentioned that powertexting.com gives away a free trip to everyone or one person on every show that we do. So if you go to podcasttrip.com and enter your information, you can be in the raffle where I will pick one person. And we have 17 locations around the world, a couple places in Mexico, Vegas, Orlando, Bali, if you want to go there. Uh, we'll take care of the hotel, five-star hotel accommodations. So thanks to Power Texting for that. And Chris, so you, you, you pushed through and you got the money. Now, it didn't come from the source you thought. You thought it would come from probably some rich people that were going to give you money. And, but you got it from your mom and, and you made that happen. And, but then two more times in your life, you were put in the same position where you were struggling and you had to keep going. You couldn't say, you know what? I'm just going to go get a job. You wouldn't throw the towel in. Was that first experience of trying to raise that money, how did that help you when 2008 came and the store that you bought, um, you know, kind of sunk you because you overextended at a point when we all got crushed by the economy? And then again later where everything on paper looked great, but in terms of cash flow, you were dying. How did you do it again and again? Wow, that's a great question. And, and you know what? It's, it's a fairly simple answer. How did I do it again and again and again? I kept just using the knowledge I had been taught and the knowledge that was in front of me. And I didn't seek out the knowledge of what I should have been doing. I, I you know, hey, look, when, when I was going for money, what, what, what are we trained to do if we need money? We ask for money. But every time you ask for money, you're in a power of weak or you're in a position of weakness. You are. As soon as you ask for something, you are all of a sudden weak. You're in a weak position. So what I started learning, and I, this didn't happen until 2014, to be honest, but in 08, I started figuring this out. I had to start creating opportunities for people and solve their problems. So if I needed something, if I needed money, which that's what my whole life has been about, right? Because I didn't come from money and I've always had to go out and find money. So I had to learn that it's not about asking for money. When you ask for money, you get no's. But what I started doing is started, and this did happen in 08, I presented an opportunity. I created a proposal and I created my idea into an opportunity. My dream became the opportunity. But then what I did is I went to people that I thought could possibly handle funding this. And, you know, the, the guy I borrowed money from, I shouldn't have. But anyway, that's another story. And I created an opportunity for him. I said, look, I need this much money. I need it for this long. Once I'm done with this, I'm moving my store and that's going to cash flow this thing. I then can take the, the deal to this bank. Here's my bank. I have the relationship. Once it's 80% occupied, I can get the money. And what I'm willing to pay you is X. And, you know, this is what it's going to mean for you. This is how long I need it. This is So I created an opportunity. And what that opportunity was, was income to him. Now, I can tell you one thing. Every single person you'll ever meet has one commonality. They all want or need more money. So that's a common problem you can solve for people. And if you can show them how not to change really anything in their life, how to just keep doing what they're doing, but yet increase their income, 
they're going to be more inclined to want to be, be in business with you or, you know, partner with you or loan you money. So I never really call that opportunity asking for money. I, I create an opportunity that solves their problem. And that's what I started doing. I really honed in on that in 14 when the whole thing crashed around me yet again. And it crashed around me there. And this is an important lesson because of the same reason of what I just said. But I was using conventional and commercial bank funding. So I was buying all these buildings, pennies on the dollar, just like Warren Buffett says, buy low, sell high, and don't lose money. I didn't figure the, the don't lose money part out at that point, but <laughs> what I was doing is I was buying low and I pat myself on the back. I bought this one pennies on the dollar because it was like, literally it was like that family guy, guy episode, ooh, piece of candy, ooh, piece of candy. I just went around and I was just finding these apartment buildings that people had to get rid of and I was just buying them up. I didn't have the money. But what I do is I would go to the bank and I knew that they would loan me 80% of purchase price. So I, I knew I had that covered. Now I needed to find 20% plus closing costs plus rehab. Well, remember I was an advisor doing well. So I'd get a commission. Guess what? There, I'd put it right back in. And I just kept doing that over and over and over again. Well, eventually what happens is even though that 20% on one deal doesn't seem like much, and then you're like, well, I'll pay for the rehab out of the rents. Eventually some things are going to happen where that's all going to stop. Every single person has a threshold where they hit the financial wall. And I hit it in 14. All the money I had, every penny I had, and all the leverage I could get was into these rentals. And yes, they were good rentals. Yes, they, cash they were producing cash flow. But it wasn't enough because I was exhausted. And I hit that wall. And at that point, you got to decide, okay, am I going to just keep struggling through? Or am I going to sell you know, something? And I was so frustrated, I sold it all. And, and I shouldn't have. I should have literally sold one. And kind of, I, I should have bought a couple, sold one and then made that money to pay back that 20. But the thing that I didn't understand is I didn't understand that the successful investors, the, the wealthy investors, they weren't using bank funding in the beginning. They were using private money. They were using self-directed IRAs. They were using home equity lines of credit. They were using things that I wasn't using. Even though I kind of knew about them, I didn't know how to use them. And at 14, I learned some very important things. I learned about well, I was in the financial business. I was selling life insurance and whole life, but I started really honing in on what people do with their whole life. And I said, you know, you got a whole life policy. I said, why don't you loan that money in your whole life out? So I started doing that with my whole life and that's how I got through it. But then I started using loans from 401ks because remember back then the markets were scary. You didn't want your money in the markets. So I pulled all my money out of my 401k in terms of loans and that's how I was doing it. But again, everybody has a threshold and I hit that and I just wasn't doing it right. And I'm sure there's a ton of people here listening that, that feel like that treadmill that you were on and, you know, every step forward, there was just more treadmill in front of you. You, you, you don't get off it going forward on a treadmill. And, and so there's a lot of people, while it might not be in real estate and they might not necessarily be leveraged in terms of money, but they're definitely leveraged in terms of time. And, and they're thinking, I, I know exactly what he's talking about because I've got this business and I'm just chasing money every day, day after day, just to keep my lifestyle the same. I'm not getting that freedom. And I just threw some air quotes up there for those of you listening um, in your cars or on your, on your phones. And, but they never get it. And that's one of the biggest struggles that entrepreneurs have. Now, you had to figure out a different way. You learned, you studied, you went to seminars, and you found out how to do things differently than you were doing to give yourself more leverage in terms of time and money. And I'm sure we can translate that into every business, but you did it in real estate. What were some of those tips that you learned about borrowing money differently? Because private money sounds scary to a lot of people and bank money sounds less scary or not scary because we've all gotten mortgages and we go to the bank and the bank has money. So 
what did you learn and how did you put it into effect from a business perspective as well as a financial perspective? Well, one thing that you just said is, you know, bank money seems like easier money to go get. It seems that way because we've been taught that our entire life. You need money, you go to the bank. You need money, you go to the bank. But we've never probably sat there and looked at why is that all we're taught? So that's a, a whole nother rabbit hole to go down. But just think about that. Why is it that everything we do in our lives all revolves around going to the bank and using money, going to the bank and using their money? But it's not even their money. It's your money. It's all of your money. It's your deposits. That's what the bank's loaning out. So here was the, the aha moment for me. I, I remember when I got into real estate 14, I went to that seminar and I started like hearing about this thing of these private investors and I, you know, we called them, you know, they figured out how to be the bank. That was what they figured out. And I kept saying to my wife, I'm like, sweetie, we're going to, we're going to crush it, flipping houses. We're going to make all this money. And then someday we're going to be the bank. And someday we're going to be the bank doing nothing more than being loaning money. Like they are at 12 to 15%. And we're going to make money while we sleep. That's what we're going to do. But the thing I didn't understand is I thought I had to have all this money to be the bank, right? That's what you think. You need to have all this money to be the bank. Do banks have all that money? No, they have all your money. Well, guess what these private investors were doing? They had figured that out. They figured out where all the money was. And all they did is they had to figure out how do we tap into that money? How do we tap into those sources of money and then show an opportunity to those people that have the money and then go out there and be the bank with other people's money? That was my aha moment. Now, I don't want anybody listening to this to overcomplicate that because it is the simplest principle in the world. All you need to do, I don't care what business you're in. I don't care if you're in the, in the hair you know, business and you have a salon. I don't care if you own an engineering company. It doesn't matter. It's exactly the same principles. What you need to do is identify where all the sources of money are. And I'll just give you two of them. Tens of trillions of dollars exist in employer-sponsored retirement plans. Trillions of dollars exist in IRAs. And guess what's so nice about both of those? Both of those, The stock market here pretty soon is going to take a correction. It has to. It's, it's almost a proven fact that they work in patterns and we're at the end of that. We're at the end of the bull market cycle. So that's the opportunity you can present to people is you know they have 401ks and you know they have IRAs. Tell them how they can eliminate risk by doing what Warren Buffett says and that's sell high and don't lose money. And really, how do you, how do you apply those three? Well, buying low, we understand. Selling high, we think we understand, but we don't because we get attached. You sell high and then number three, don't lose money. Well, you already did that when you sold because you can't lose money when you already got out of the position at the top. So getting off that. But if you just understand the sources and then you understand how to present an opportunity to those people and you understand what a bank does, think about it. You walk into the bank, whether it's every Friday or every day with your business money, you deposit your money in the bank. Well, I want you to do a little exercise. Next time you do that, I want you to write your name on a $20 bill that you deposit. And I want you to highlight it and circle it. And I want you to give it to the teller. And I want you to tell that teller, okay, Susie, I'd like you to put this in the back into a box with my name on it. I'm going to be back next month to grab this $20 bill. Can you do that for me? She'll laugh at you and hand you one of those uh, lollipops that they give you that the wrapper says dum-dums. So that's what they'll give you. And you'll go back there and you'll never get the same dollar because here's what banks do. They take your money and there's offices right behind you. Guess what they're doing? They're loaning your money out at five, six, nine percent And it's a cycle. No business in the world uses compound interest, but yet they, we have been taught our entire life to use compound interest, to not only pay compound interest, but to also use and believe in compound interest. If no banks use compound interest and no businesses use it, why do we? Money has to be in motion. It's the natural flow of the world and the universe. Your money's got to be in motion and so does everybody else's. So teach people how to be the bank. That's it. And I don't get all into that universe stuff and keeping money in motion. Just teach them what the bank does and mimic that and show them how to make more money than what they're doing with less risk.
And at that point, money will flow to you. You won't even have to ask for it. And I promise you this because I'm not speaking from just personal opinion, okay, or personal experience. I teach this. I have students that do this. And it's, it, it works in a way that I can't even explain. I send people out with this knowledge and they go out there and they, they call me a couple weeks later and say, Chris, 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 I, I got this guy. He's got like $3 million and, and, I, and he, he wants to like, he wants to get into something with me. He wants to do a deal with me. I'm like, great. I don't, I don't know what to do. Well, it's easy. Just create the opportunity for them and show them the mechanism. Show them to do what the bank does. Teach them to be the bank. Oh, really? Okay. And I sent them a little form showing them the flow of how they basically do it and how they protect themselves. And boom, he's got $3 million available. And that's for real estate, but it wouldn't matter if you got $3 million to do in your business. Would that help you? It's that simple, folks. And that's what Chris teaches at the Real Estate Money School. He's got um, he's got his own podcast where he talks about, about real estate and about ex more detail about um, what he does than we've got right here. He's got his book that he's going to um, give away. What's the link to that book again, Chris? Yep. It's moneyschoolrei.com slash book. And you just go on and grab the free copy of the ebook. And the ebook is going to give you the, the general and specifics because I've actually read it. And um, he's got his classes. You go to Chris Noggle, N-A-U-G-L-E.com and um, get more information on him. But it's so fascinating that once, whatever business you're in, once you figure out the niche within your business that works, you can really expand in a hurry. Um, Dick Clark said, don't set trends, find out what they are and exploit them. And in, in the real estate money game, you have found out what that trend is or what that um, secret sauce is, is a little bit overused, but you found out what works not only for you as an investor and a lender, but for other people that want passive income. So you're supporting three different people at minimum with what you do. The person who has money that wants a greater rate of return or they want cash flow or they want to deleverage themselves or de-risk themselves out of the stock market. You are able to make money through teaching this and through being the bank and loaning money out. Somebody is borrowing that money, typically for real estate in your world, and then hiring people in order to rehab or flip a property and then put someone in a home. So that's five people that are benefiting from one simple strategy, which is help someone who wants something, put your own intelligence in the middle, and then provide a service to somebody who needs something and everybody wins five different ways. Yeah, let me, let me say one thing. I, I, I've, there's a very smart man out there. Some of you know him. He's got a rich dad. He's got a poor dad. His name's Robert Kiyosaki. I read a book, The Second Chance, from him, and he said something very intriguing to me. He said, every single person in the world fits on two sides of the coin, the heads and the tails. The heads is all the people that have money that want to make more money. The tails are all the people that need money to make more money. And the only thing that they don't teach you, the only thing that we don't learn is the edge of the coin because there's really three sides to every coin. There's the heads and the tails, which we all know about, right? Oh yeah, there's two sides to a coin. No, there's not. There's the edge and the edge represents financial knowledge and it is the most powerful thing. You've heard it before. People say knowledge is power. No, no, no financial knowledge. Now that's real power. That's the power that gets you somewhere and changes your life. And I, and if I can give one quote, I love this one. I, I quote it often. Uh, Will Rogers said something. I hope I can get this right. Will Rogers said the problem in America isn't so much what people don't know. The problem in America is what people think they know that just ain't. So how much truth is there to that statement? That is everything right there summed up in that and a coin.
And that's so, <laughs> so powerful because we're all specialists in what we do, right? Um, I've got my clients. I know that in any small business, I can show ten dollars to $50,000 in new revenue that can be gotten inside of 90 days. I can do it all day, every day. And for people who need more revenue, I can show them how to do it. You can show people how to give somebody something that they need in exchange for utilizing their dollars where you can be the bank and do it. But there's always an extra piece that we can learn from because once we get comfortable and we think we know it too well, the economy changes on us or the strategies change on us or right, right now, Facebook and Instagram are killing it in terms of online advertising for many small businesses, including yours. There's something is going to replace that. So how do we stay ahead and it, seminars and education and continuing to learn always work. But what have you done to stay ahead, even in those downtimes where things weren't working well, you found a way, what can our listeners do to get that extra piece of knowledge over and above what they think they already know so well? Hmm. You know, I guess I'm just going to speak from what I do. Um, I, I always, I look at successful people and you know what? I use Facebook and I use Instagram to source these people out. And then I kind of do their backstory and I, ones that I like, I find them. And then what I do is I dive in if they're speaking somewhere. Cause it, you know, so, social media says everything, you know, this person's speaking here, this person's speaking there. I buy a plane ticket. How much are plane tickets nowadays? 300, 500 bucks. So seriously, that's a cheap investment. And I fly to that event. I pay for the event. Some of them are free. And all I do is I look for two golden nuggets, Greg reads, right? Two golden nuggets in there and I find them and I come home and I, I just apply them in what I do. That's it. I'm not looking for anything else. And every time I do this, I end up meeting unique people, learning unique things, but I walk away with one to two golden nuggets every time I do that. So if you want to really learn that, just figure out who has it, who's learned it, who seems to be applying what you want to be doing and then seek that knowledge. That knowledge isn't going to come to you. I can promise you that. It's designed not to come to you. By design, you are not going to learn that. So if you want to learn something, you have to seek the knowledge, and that is the only way to do it. That's awesome. I appreciate that. We're talking to Chris Noggle on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Last question for me before we wrap up. You, you've been through some tough times. You're now on the other side of that, doing great, and you're helping others do great as well. But it's not only the tactics. So as we wrap up, one nugget on what you do from a mindset perspective. What, what keeps you going? What keeps you learning? And you know, more importantly, how do you translate that to your students and to the people you work with? Because everything can be going great, but if the mind's not right, we're never going to overcome. So what do you do in order to keep your mind right? Yeah, I'd be lying if I said there isn't weeks where I literally just want to throw the towel in. Still today, there's still every time, no matter where you're at, you're always going to have new challenges. And I have those challenges still. They're bigger, different problems than I used to have, but I still have them. So in order to get my mind right, you know what I do? I listen to a podcast. I, I listen to something online, a motivational speech. I do that often. You know what? When I listen to a lot, Steve Jobs. I listen to his motivational speeches he gave, and I, and I just listen to him over and over again. And all it does is it just flushes me, and I do this early in the morning. I'll get up at 5.30, come into my office, sit there, put it on, hit play, hit play, hit play, and I do that until my mind gets right. And then what I do is I focus on one thing in my business that's working because there's a whole bunch of other things that aren't working. I look at the one thing that's working, and I hyper-focus on that. I hyper-focus so much that it's bad sometimes my staff and my, my team here – 
they, they don't know what the heck to do because I'm so hyper-focused that I'm not even hearing what they're saying. But I do that until I kind of come out of it. And then I have that golden mindset. And I'm like, guys, here's what we got to do. And then I, I go in and I tell them what's going on. I, I let energy flow through me. And I know that sounds silly, but that's what I do. I hyper-focus on the one positive in my life. And that, that's worked for me. I don't know if it'll work for everybody, but boy, oh boy, if you're in a negative mindset, negative things flow at you constantly. And until you change that mindset and start thinking about, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's, I walked into work today and the sun was out and I heard a bird chirping. I live, we live in Buffalo. So literally winter is like the great abyss. It, it's just, it's awful. So finally we had birds chirping this morning. That's why I said that. Cause it's finally starting to get warm. <laughs> I love it. And I love, I love just one positive nugget can change your entire day, can change your entire week. You don't need thousands of it. One can do it. Thanks, Chris, for being here. Really You're appreciate welcome. the knowledge and, and just sharing your story. It's never easy to share the, it's easy to share the triumphs. It's never easy, easy to, to, to tell the world the things that you struggled at. So I appreciate you doing that because there's a lot that people can learn from you. Thanks so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me on the show. You're very welcome. And thanks everyone for listening. Uh, to the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Look forward to having you on the next episode. Talk to y'all soon. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.